This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 552. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 552. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Shameless Mom. Happy Monday and welcome to our very first episode of our summer series, Lead Like a Mother. The goal of the summer series is for me to give you bite-sized curriculum delivered each week to help shameless moms like yourself get out of your own way, retrain your brain and lean into leadership in all the areas where you already are a leader in your life because you are already a leader and also perhaps in some new areas where you've been feeling a pull toward leadership. This is going to be a lot of fun. So every month we'll have a different theme. We will spend each of the weeks of that month digging into the theme and you're going to be able to learn a lot as we go and apply it as we go. And I think it'll be a really fun way for us to work through the summer together. So our theme for June is get out of your own way. The theme for July is retrain your brain. And the theme for August is lean into leadership. So with all that said, let's talk about June. So this month, we're going to be talking about getting out of your own way. So for our first week today, we're going to talk about ways that you get into your own way. Next week, we're going to talk about why you might be getting in your own way. The week after that, week three of June, we will talk about how procrastination and perfectionism keep you in your own way. And week four, we're going to talk about five ways to get out of your own way, five steps to get out of your own way that you can start taking right now. So that's your curriculum for June. 
And I hope you're excited and I hope you're ready to take some notes. You might want to get yourself like a new notebook and a peachy folder for this. If you're that kind of a person, maybe some post-it notes and a highlighter, we're going to have some fun. And I think you're going to learn a lot along the way. So let's dig into our content for today. For today, we're going to be talking about ways that you get into your own way. And we're actually going to talk specifically about seven ways that you get in your own way. And I want to start by sharing a story of me getting in my own way. So my story about getting on my own way, I think might be relatable. When Vinny was first born, I was really good at insisting on going it alone. And this was such a weird thing when I look back, and it actually became glaring over time. And my husband was like, why are you like this? So when Vinny was first born, I was really insistent on doing everything. I wanted to figure out all of the things and be in charge of all of the things, which is totally my personality type. But what ended up happening is I was excluding my husband from the parenting of his own child. And I was also failing miserably at like doing all the things on my own. So I was miserable. I was trying to be the gatekeeper of everything. My husband was like not given power in his own relationship with his child. And it was just a disaster. It was a hot mess. And I don't think this is unusual. I think this happens a lot. But I was really trying to do it all. I was trying to raise this child, this baby, keep him alive. I was running my business. So I had my gym at the time. I was running the household. I was trying to manage my health, which was not great, like my physical and mental health after Vinny was born. Both left a lot to be desired. <laughs> and so there was all that. And then on top of that, I was really being the gatekeeper of everything. Like every time there was something to figure out with this child, I was on it like 110%. And with all of that, I was constantly, constantly overriding my brain and my body, telling me that I needed to rest. And this really came to a head when Vinny was five weeks old. So it came to a head quickly, which maybe was a blessing. Not that I healed or got over it quickly or changed my ways quickly, but it came to a head quickly because. Because when Vinny was five months old, we had this evening and I was super tired. Like Vince had been at work that day. Vinny had, you know, been doing what five weeks old do, which was like screaming and crying and then eating and then screaming and crying and then eating because that was our cycle. <laughs> it was really fun. And so it had been the end of the day and it was time for dinner at our house. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to make us some grilled cheese sandwiches. Like, I'm going to keep it super simple. And I remember feeling overwhelmingly tired and being really hard on myself, being like, come get it together. Like, you're making grilled cheese sandwiches. This is not hard. It's going to take like three and a half minutes. Like, come on. <laughs> and I was really trying to give myself this pep talk. And I was really frustrated with myself that I literally was like, I don't know if I can make it through making these sandwiches. Like, I'm so exhausted. So I made the sandwiches. We ate. I went to bed. And I just, I felt like my body was like moving through molasses. I just was so, so exhausted. So I get upstairs and go to bed and I wake up to Vinny crying at like midnight that night, sometime between midnight and one. And I go into his room. I put him on the changing table to change his diaper and then I'm going to feed him. And he's screaming bloody murder. And the room is black and I keep trying to turn the light on. So I have this memory of like my arm like flailing, trying to turn on his bedroom light and I couldn't reach the light switch. And I kept trying to reach the light switch and like not getting it. But the room was so black, I couldn't see the switch on the wall. And he's screaming and I called out to my husband and he didn't come. And I called out like three times. And finally, 
I screamed as loud as I could. My husband came in the room, or so I'm told, because I don't remember what happened after that last scream because I passed out. So what ended up happening is my husband came in the room. I'm laughing now, but it was not funny at the time. My husband came in the room and I'm yelling about turning the lights on and the lights were already on. I'm like, you need to turn the lights on. I can't see anything. You need to turn the lights on. And he was like, the lights are already on. And he said, he told me that the lights were on. And then I just fell to the ground and Vinny's screaming on the changing table and I passed out. So the first time I've ever passed out in my life, I came to pretty quickly. But of course, in that moment, my husband, you know, before his eyes flashed, like losing his wife and being a single dad and this newborn baby. And he had this moment of panic across the street from us. We have these two doctor or two nurses. And he was like, do I go get Linda and Ginger and like ask them to come help? And then I came to and I was like, what happened? Like, that was so crazy and weird and scary. And I've never passed out before in my life. And so I'm like, did I have a heart attack? (laughs) I was we were all shaken. So we decided we need to go to the emergency room. So we load up this five week old baby. It's now like 1am. We get in the car, we go to the ER, the ER of course, was like very busy with people in my mind that I did not want around my five week old baby. I was worried that they had germs and that the baby would get sick. And it was very stressful. It was kind of a cast of characters roaming through the ER that night. So anyways, we do a they do blood work and tests and everything. And they end up finding out that I have mastitis. I have this infection in my breast and from nursing. And that was the first time I got mastitis. I ended up getting it two more times. And so what happened is I had a fever. I had this infection. I felt awful. And when I had felt really tired, when I was going to make those grilled cheese sandwiches, it was not just like I was a little bit tired. I was actually super sick. and My body was fighting an infection. And that was this moment that it took me a while to like mentally put together that you got yourself there by trying to go it all alone, by ignoring your body's cues, ignoring your body's signals, not resting, not taking very good care of yourself because you were trying to do all of the things and you were trying to make sure that no one else had to do anything, partly because I thought I could do it better and partly because I didn't want to inconvenience anyone else in my household, including my husband. I was like, no, it's fine. I'll figure it out. It's fine. I'll figure it out because I didn't want, this was like the subconscious train of thought that I didn't want him to have to work super hard in parenthood because I didn't want him to regret or resent that we have this child now, which is a super weird thing that I need a lot of therapy around. (laughs) But when you're raised without a dad in your household, these are the things that you do. You're like, what if he decides this is really awful? (laughs) What if he decides he doesn't want to do this anymore? So I was trying really hard to make sure that everyone was okay, like that he was okay, and that he didn't have to do the heavy lifting and that I would do the heavy lifting. And it just yeah, it all kind of came to a head on that night that I got so sick, because I'd been trying to do it all to make sure that no one else had to be inconvenienced by this child. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. And here's the thing, I had been modeled independence and I had been modeled going it alone and I had been modeled not asking for help. I had been modeled not inconveniencing others and I had been modeled to not make other people uncomfortable. And so to do all of that, when you have a newborn means you do it all on your own. You take on everything. And there's absolutely people that have to do that for whatever circumstance. Maybe they're raising a child on their own for whatever reason, or they have a partner that can't be involved for whatever reason, or a partner that works, you know, that works hours that don't allow them to be home during waking hours, or whatever the situation might be. There are people that absolutely have to do things very independently, raise children very independently. But I wasn't in that situation. And yet I was making it like I was. I was creating this scenario that was much harder than it needed to be when I actually had support right next to me the whole time. Because here's the thing, I had never been modeled partnership and asking for help. And so not being modeled that, it really, really kept me in my own way. It kept me in my own way throughout Vinny's early years for sure. And that was a struggle. So I want you to think about patterns because here's the thing. We all have patterns and how are your patterns serving you? The truth is that we can look back and find threads and patterns throughout our lives that have carried us and allowed us to build our current lives, right? And if we're honest with ourselves, we can look at where we currently are sitting and identify patterns that are holding us back. We all have patterns that are holding us back. So we have patterns that are really functional that work well for us. And then we also have patterns that are holding us back and patterns where we are getting in our own way, which we're going to talk about in just a minute here. So for me, some of my dysfunctional patterns are perfectionism. It's thinking that I can do things better than everyone else. So I should just do them. And like, very snotty about it too. Like, don't even worry. I'll just do it. You're not even going to know how to do it. And I know that so many of you can relate to this because even when you're saying this to a partner or someone else in your household, you're like trying to be polite about it. But in the back of your mind, you're rolling your eyes and you're like, I'll just do it. It's so much better if I do it. (laughs) Right? The other dysfunctional pattern that I carry is gatekeeping, which goes along with perfectionism is gatekeeping. And for me, gatekeeping is like making sure like I have all the information and I'm not going to share it with anyone else, even though sharing it with someone else could set them up to be successful. And so when this comes to parenting together, like making sure that my husband has the information that he needs to parent as well as possible versus like me keeping all the information. And when Vinny was really young, I was 
more of a gatekeeper than I am now. And part of that was because I didn't want to ask for help. But part of it was because I felt like, well, this should be my role and I should know all these things. And then like that allowed me to be in charge and in control of everything. And that's ridiculous and very dysfunctional and very unhealthy. And then another dysfunctional pattern throughout my life is showing up and being who other people either expect me to be or being like what's been modeled. And so for me, being what's been modeled is being super independent, even when you don't have to be and never asking for help and never wanting to look weak or needing looking like you need support and following like a very clear path of what other people would expect of me in terms of being able to be successful and doing the things that I'm good at and always striving for the best and always achieving, achieving, achieving. And not because other people tell me that they expect those things of me so much is that that's just what they've seen me do. So they assume I'm going to do those things. So those are some of my dysfunctional patterns. So I want you to think about what are your dysfunctional patterns when it comes to getting in your own way, because we all have our dysfunctional patterns. We all have them. So let's talk about ways that you might be getting in your own way. We're going to go through seven ways and take some notes because I know some of these are going to be very relevant. All right. So the first way that you might be getting in your own way is holding back, biting your tongue and staying quiet. So this, when you are doing this, here's how you feel. You feel tired and frustrated and you feel inauthentic because you're holding back. You're not speaking up. You're not maybe realizing your own potential. You might even be jealous of what other people are doing. And you might have a lack of pride because you see other people doing things in a way and you're like, wow, if only I could do that that way, but I don't quite know how. So you're just constantly holding back in different areas of your life in different contexts. The truth around this, so when we hold back and we bite our tongues and we stay quiet and we feel small and inauthentic and tired and we don't realize our own potential, the truth behind that is that everything you need is actually already inside of you. And oftentimes other people are just waiting for you to break out and be more you and lean into your truths and talents. Other people see that in you, often when you don't see it in yourself. So how can you stop holding back, stop biting your tongue and stop saying quiet? The second way that you might be getting in your own way is that you're being the person other people expect you to be. And when you are being the person that other people expect you to be, you might be feeling exhausted from performing. You might be feeling resentful. You might be feeling full of regret or annoyed or angry. You might be carrying this for a long time. So you might be doing something that a parent or a partner who has expected you to be because that's just how you've shown up in the past and you don't know how to break that mold. Or you might be being that person because they've made it really clear that for them to care for you unconditionally, they expect you to show up a certain way. And so you're being that person. I've certainly been, I can think of a relationship in my life where I was, I felt like I needed to show up in a certain way. And if I said what I wanted to say, that that would jeopardize that relationship. And it got really exhausting. And I finally did say what I wanted to say. And that person walked away from me. And that was really heartbreaking because that was a significant person in my life. But also kind of like while it was painful, it's kind of good to know who people really are. So when you're being the person other people think that you should be, instead of being who you truly are, there's an exhaustion that comes from that because you are performing, you are having to be on and you can then be very resentful and full of regret. Also during this, you're staying in a bubble or a shell that doesn't allow you to fully shine. So when I think about this relationship in particular, I remember just having these conversations that would go in circles and feeling so frustrated and feeling like I just had to be this like little, this little small version of myself and just like constantly be like, uh-huh, okay, you're right. Uh-huh, okay, you're right. Because that was easier than saying like, actually, you're wrong and I'm not okay with the way this conversation is going. Or actually, this is not 
what I stand for. Instead, I would just be like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, I'm just going to get through this meal with this person. Like, it's just easier to like grin and bear it. We all have people, I don't know if we all do, most of us, many of us have those relationships where we just like hold it in and we're like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, I'm just going to be the person you want me to be right now because that's like easier than making waves. Also, when you are being the people, that person that other people want you to be is that you are keeping things predictable and comfortable for other people at your own expense. You are keeping things predictable and comfortable for other people at your own expense. And I can go back to the same relationship. I was letting that other person be really comfortable at my own expense. And I finally had this moment where I was like, I cannot do this. I cannot, like their comfort cannot be the top priority here because the things that they are doing that are keeping them comfortable are so against my core values. They so go against everything I believe in and stand for. And I cannot participate in this any longer. And so that was really hard, but also it allowed me to get out of that. It ultimately like pushed me away from that person to the point that I was like, I don't care. (laughs) I can't. This is too dysfunctional. This pattern that I have of being in this relationship so that this other person can be comfortable, I'm no longer okay with. So being that person and looking at that, you really have to look at what is the cost of being the person other people want you to be. The third way you might be getting in your own way is playing small. So maybe you're playing small by not taking chances, by not going after what you want, by thinking that other people deserve it more. You're just not taking action or taking really small action. And oftentimes when you're playing small, you're feeling bored and you're feeling uninspired and you might be feeling tired. You might be feeling just really complacent and you're avoiding making decisions that might take you to the next level or bring you happiness and you're being risk averse. Risk is scary. 100% risk is scary. So when we're playing small, we're often either avoiding making decisions or delaying making decisions or making decisions that are insignificant instead of making the ones that really matter, which keep us really complacent. They don't allow us to take things to the next level. When we're playing small, we often talk about dreams, but we're not actually taking action toward our dreams. So we're doing the dreaming without the doing. And over time, that does not feel good. The fourth way you might be getting in your own way is analysis paralysis and not ever leaving the start line. So when you're stuck in analysis paralysis, and I'm so guilty of this one, you waste precious time and energy considering all the options and never landing on a decision. And I do this every time I go online shopping. Like, and I've used examples around this before, but like every time I get online to buy something and then I get sucked into reading reviews and then I want to see different pictures of it. And then I'm like, I want to see pictures that are like in Google images of people who've actually bought the thing and people pictures on Instagram of this thing. And then I want the pictures on the website and then I want to read the reviews and I will spend so long around this decision. And this can be for something stupid, like a dress from Target. I'm not even kidding you, like a $30 dress from Target. And I can spend hours, if not days doing all of this research around and anal- that gives me keeps me in analysis paralysis and you don't even leave the start line. And when you do that you're putting off decisions that are often more significant and more important than the dress from Target and you are putting off decisions thinking that you need to wait for the ideal time or the ideal circumstances or the ideal variables to all be in place. And the truth is that those ideals never come. And so we put off those decisions and we put off that momentum in our life and that sense of that ability or opportunity to feel power and hope around that. We put it off and put it off and put it off because we think that the variables will be better and we might be able to control them more down the road. But ultimately, we end up doing nothing and we just sit there in analysis paralysis with like these question marks in our virtual carts, right? That's like literal and figurative. We just put things in the cart and then we decide we're going to think on those decisions and save them for later. And that ultimately just weighs on us. Often around this as well, you're asking for too much feedback. 
Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. So you might have an idea, and I can think of some specific examples of people I've worked with recently who have had goals around going back to school or changing careers or getting a certain kind of certification. And they'll ask a whole bunch of people for opinions. And they ask way too many people and not all and sometimes the wrong people. And they get all this feedback. And then what they're really looking for is validation. They're looking for people to be like, oh my gosh, yes, you should totally do that. I can absolutely see you doing that. And I think you'd be so successful. But the reality is when you ask for too much feedback, inevitably, you're going to get someone who's like, "Mm, I don't know, my friend did that. And they thought they totally regretted it. Or "Mm, I don't know, you've never really been that good at that thing. Maybe you should try this other thing instead. Or "Mm, that's a cool thing. But like I heard this year, it's a really bad idea. Like maybe next year. And when you get all that feedback, then it keeps you in analysis paralysis because you are uncertain and you're like perpetually uncertain and people make you doubt yourself and you weigh those opinions way too heavily. Number five, the fifth way you might be getting in your own way is that you're stuck in a fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset tells you that there's only certain things that you're good at and there's always going to be other people who are way better. And so there's this finiteness about your mindset that where you do not believe in infinite potential. You do not believe you have the potential to learn new things or to grow to levels you could never imagine. You very much see these limits on yourself and your ability and your skills and your gifts, and maybe even on your earning power or your career options. And so Instead of taking action, you keep yourself in this little box because you think this is all I'm qualified for. This is all I am good enough for. This is all I am skilled enough for. 
And the opposite of this would be growth mindset where you're like, hmm, you know, I don't know quite how I'm going to get there, but I think I can figure it out because I've figured out a lot of other things in my life. So when we look at being stuck in a fixed mindset, the truth around this is that we need, you need to see possibility and potential and how it directly correlates to the life you create for yourself. Possibility and potential directly correlates to the life that you create for yourself. So if you see possibility and potential, that's the life that you get to live, which is like infinite things could go right and work out and be amazing. The sixth way that you might be getting in your own way is being the gatekeeper, being the gatekeeper of tasks and roles so that no one can help you. So maybe you're holding on to all the information so that you can manage or micromanage everything. Maybe you're disempowering other people in the process. Maybe you're disempowering your partner's ability to parent. Maybe you're lacking in trust and overcompensating with control. Oh, that's a hard one, right? That's totally something I struggle with. (laughs) And maybe you're stuck in perfectionism. So we become the gatekeeper because of all of those things. And if that resonates, you got to check yourself because you're not doing anyone any favors. And number seven, the seventh way you might be getting in your own way is that you are getting stuck in dreaming and planning and not doing. So I kind of mentioned this before. So you have the dreams that often feel unrealized, which can be pretty disheartening at times. You are great at making lists and journaling and talking about dreams. You might even have a vision board. You might have seven vision boards, but you're not strategizing or doing anything to get closer to the dreams. You're using your energy to plan and even over plan. And that's like all the research and all the outlines and all the mind maps and all the vision boards to plan and over plan the minutia instead of actually starting to take action. So think about which of those resonate with you. Of those seven ways, where do you get in your own way? Take a note or two. And then next week, I'm going to be back and we're going to talk about why you get in your own way, which will help you also start to unroot some of this so that you can maybe make some space for better roots, for healthier roots as we move forward. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the summer series. I'm so happy to have you here for the summer series, Lead Like a Mother. And I'll be back here next week to talk about why you might be getting in your own way. Until then, share this episode. Tag me at Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram, and I will see you soon. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.